everybody five o'clock on a friday time for cello chat very much looking forward to it as always and with this week i'm super excited to have as my guest seth matujak how are you doing seth i'm great thanks for having me dr wickham oh in, entirely my pleasure it's been a while it has been <laughs> yeah. well so let's start if you would introduce yourself to the audience uh, what led you to cello in the first place, and how did you get to where you are today? Well, thanks again for having me. Um, and before I answer that question, I do have to apologize. I did not intentionally do this, but I wore my UW Stevens Point shirt. <laughs> so uh, that was not intentional. I should have worn um, our celebration shirt that we had from a few years ago, and we had you as our special uh, at that day so my that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so my name is Seth Matushak I teach orchestra at West Bend East and West Bend West High Schools um so uh, with regarding the cello um you know I this is a really easy question because I still remember um back when I was in the third grade and I came home and I said I'm gonna learn the cello and my parents laughed behind my back <laughs> um, because, yeah, of course he wants to learn the cello. But anyways, um, you know, what really led me to that um, is, you know, I just I just liked the sound of it. Uh, you know, when the teacher came into our classroom and demonstrated all of the instruments and I don't know why, like that one, I like that one sounds the coolest. I couldn't tell you what she played. And the teacher who played was actually um, a violist. Hmm. But I just always connected with that deep, that rich cello sound. And that was really the hook, line, and sinker for me. <laughs> and I stuck with it. You know, this particular teacher, she was, um, and I think all of us orchestra teachers um, are a little bit cuckoo because uh, we kind of have to be. But uh <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but anyways, she she was a lot of fun in her in her weird, crazy way, and and that was one of the things that kept me engaged as a as a young child, you know, be, wanting to be in music because she made it fun. But she was an excellent teacher. She knew she really, when I think about it, is a master at melding those two things together. How can I be crazy, fun, and engaging, but I'm also going to deliver really quality instruction. Um, and uh, at the time in our school district, we were being, um, we were doing the Suzuki method, uh, which I believe strongly in, and I attribute much of my personal success today to being taught at first through Suzuki. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I, it's just, I, I did explore band for a little bit, played a little bit of trumpets, but I decided I just kind of wanted to stick with one thing. And, uh, I would say then later on, I'm gonna skip past middle school here and go to, into high school when I really started to take it more seriously. Um, I started private instruction a little bit later than I wish I would have, but that's just kind of one of those things that I didn't know, I didn't know I needed or wanted at the time. 
Um, I joined the, oh, yeah, talk about inspiration. Um, the Fox Valley Symphony, they have a youth orchestra, Fox Valley Youth Symphony. Um, at the time, Gary Wolfman was the conductor. I went to a concert when I was a sophomore, I believe, in high school. And because I knew somebody who was playing in it, and I just went. And that was kind of, that was it for me. That I knew I wanted to do that. I was just in awe at the level of music being played by students who are my age. And I said, well, if they can do it, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And, you know, so I, obviously I had to do an audition and I went and got lessons and I said, hey, so I have this much time. I need to learn a class A piece. I've never played a class A piece. And I'm sure that person thought I was a little bit nuts, but um, but I did it, you know, and that was ever since being exposed to that opportunity, that was it for me. And then from there, once I, I got into the orchestra, then when I was later my junior year, I continued the lessons still. And um, then I decided, well, I want to continue this after high school, after seeing the progress I had made. Lessons, if you get lessons and you realize your progress, it's a magical thing. So teaching is the route I decided to go to, went to Stevens Point, studied with Dr. Lawrence Leviton, um, who is not there anymore. Uh, and I just finished my 10th year of teaching. So this is year 11 for me now. Excellent, excellent. And let's see, what are, I mean, it's a very good program there. What are some of your um, kind of the things that you would attribute your program success to the most? That is actually a tough question um, a little bit because so I started my career in Janesville. I was there for four years and one of the things in that program was it, where I was, at least the schools I was at, it needed to be built up. Um, there was a lack of interest, uh, kids are quitting, and it just wasn't thriving. And one of my proudest, I think, things about my time there, my short time there, was um, I increased student numbers at my schools quite a bit. And I worked really well with one of the other teachers in the district, and we did a lot of really cool things together. And, uh, and then I ended up leaving coming here. Um, so the situation coming to West Bend is, was much different for me, a different kind of challenge uh, in that I was being handed a large program with already a lot of past success from the former high school teachers here. So now the challenge was, how do I maintain this? How do I not ruin this? Um, and so it kind of made me a little uneasy at first. Um, but, you know, I think, I think really what, what keeps kids here is, at least for me in my time here, is trying to offer a wide array of experiences, you know, um, like bringing, take for instance, bringing students to a concert. We did that last year. It was the first field trip I was able to do in a couple of years. Simple field trip. We went to go see the Milwaukee Symphony. They played the, I believe the Fountains in Rome by Respighi. 
But uh, the piece that really was capturing that night was the Shostakovich violin concerto. And I, I still envision in my head, it was just perfect. Mm. <laughs> it was played perfectly by the orchestra and the soloist and the students, it, this was an optional trip. The students that went were just in awe of that. You know, the, the orchestra, the quality, seeing what they saw, um, the concert hall that they're in, just the whole experience um, you know, so doing things like that. Last year, we brought in um, Mark Wood, electric violinist, former Transiberian Orchestra um, musician and founder. Um, you know, so much different experience there, but exposing them to, well, here's this avenue. You know, he's a classically trained musician, went to Juilliard, but he's, you know, playing, you know, Leonard Skinner or whatever. And uh, and and doing it and then making it sound awesome. Um, we also had Alistair Fraser, Fraser, Natalie Haas come do a workshop and concert last year. Um, the biggest thing now I've only done this once because of COVID, but um, uh, the former teacher here, he started a, a trip to a traditional trip to Scotland performance tour with the high school orchestras so I think he used that as a as a tool to motivate the younger students in the program to keep with it because they get this to look forward to when they got to high school um, so I did the trip in I think 2018 which was my second year here I believe 2017 or 2018 and um, it was phenomenal um, and I had planned to do a trip to Ireland in 2020 or 2021, but you know, couldn't do it. Uh, but you know, just different types of experiences like that um, and, and that are really engaging, you know? So, you know, you can be, you can deliver the most quality instruction possible, but you have to think depending on your culture and your program, you have to think outside the box and, and really go that extra step. Um, and I, I think really just, uh, putting in the extra effort on the teacher's part is what makes this program so successful. That's true. I, I definitely, all of you on that team don't seem to skimp on the extra effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. All right. Well, let's talk about this topic of motivation and inspiration. I know that when you are, if you're teaching private lessons one-on-one -on -one, and this, this, it's not just the one-on-one -on -one being able to be catered to exactly what a particular student, where they are, but also the fact that you're telling them when nobody else is hearing, you know, you can be as candid as you want. Whereas if you try to say, you know, if you're saying something in an orchestra, that student is thinking, you said that in front of my friend, you know what I mean? There's a whole um, dynamic in addition to the fact that it's a large heterogeneous group. So, but still every, every person on the podium I know has thoughts about how do I get these people fired up on a given day for the particular piece we're working on and also over the course of the year, over the course of four years, eight years, to get as much um, 
like both the chops, the skills out of their instrument and the enjoyment as you know they can get. What what are some of your favorite uh, go-tos or what's your bag of tricks for those devices? That is a loaded question. Um, and I, honestly, I had to think about it because the motivation, I, I talk about it every year and I scratch my head over it every year. And I think I'm always going to be scratching my head over that one, trying to pick other people's brains, looking for new ideas. Um, so I think the biggest thing, it's its really a deeply rooted, um, I don't want to call it an issue, but uh, it, it's, it's very deeply rooted to motivate students because it has to start right away and it has to start when they're young and be continued at that point for it to blossom when they get to middle school and high school. Mm. Um, so I think in terms of cello or any instrument, you have to, you have to love the instrument for what it is on a more individual level. So, you know, I think a lot of students enjoy orchestra for the camaraderie. Um, it's a fun class. we get to play great music, but do they love the cello? of the violin? Do they love what else it has to offer on, on a soloistic point? You know, I always love the cello because I love the cello. So um, now I only have control of what's really happens here at the high school, but I, uh, I'll i share some ideas that I have that I'm going to try actually this school year. Um, but for me, like I got to, I didn't know any famous musicians, you know, on the cello other than Yo-Yo Ma. But the reason why I knew who Yo-Yo Ma was at a young age is because my teacher, when I was a beginner, played it for me. And it was, I, I think it was from his Hush CD, a really old one, but it was kind of with Bobby McFerrin, I think it was, but it was kind of a goofy, and it is that goofy element that I remember about that CD is what kind of stuck with me. But also I recognize that he's an amazing cellist, um, you know, so I learned more as, as time went on, but um, I learned how to connect to the instrument playing, you know, solo things at first, you know, all the Suzuki songs are all solo. It's not written for string orchestra. It's for cello or the instrument. Um, so I, one thing I would like to see not only in our program, but in other programs is focusing more on that um, at the beginning levels and, and not rush into the parts, you know, all the parts you know, you know, the, you know, bass, the in-between, and then the first violins, of course, always get the melody, right? You know, um, and, and that'll, I think that teaches a student to appreciate it more than down the road. And I think that goes into the motivational thing too. Um, that's my opinion of it. Uh, so, Going back on what I said before about the success of the program, you know, again, motivation, I think, comes with experiences. Also, too, um, listen, so listening to other artists, that's what's inspirational for me, I think, listening and seeing other people play the cello. Um, not just on a recording, though, but do it live. Get out there. That's the best. I always loved it when my teacher played either for me or with us. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing was um, I want to sound like that. That's the goal. I want to sound like that. 
And honestly, I have to remind myself, I really need to play more even at the high school with my kids. So last year I did play, I play violin a lot just because it's small and easy for me to grab quick, although I'm not as good at it. And they know that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I did take the cello out more last year in front of my class. And um, they noticed the difference, you know, in my playing. I can be much more expressive on the cello because it's my instrument. So I'm trying to do that more often now, too. I think that's inspiring. For In fact, a lot of them have gone out of their way to tell me, like, you should do that more often. And so 10 years in, it's like, okay, still learning new things. Um, oh, going one, well, sorry, I'm kind of going zigzagging a little bit here. Uh, when we had Mark Wood here last year, this is something I learned from him. Now, I do have some philosophical differences with his approach, but again, it's about all those different exposing kids to different ways of thinking, teaching, all that. Um, one of the things he emphasized with the students was do what I do. I'm the professional. Um, you know, and he didn't do it in an arrogant kind of way, but he he was pretty straightforward with it. To do what I'm doing because that's what you want to emulate. If you do what, you know, I do that, you know, will rub off in a sense. And, and he talked to me about that saying, you make, you know, point out, you know, your, your star students, you know, and use them as examples, you know, whenever you can. Um, but, you know, I think that goes back to the teacher too. Um, you know, try and emulate me. I always wanted to emulate my teachers because they sounded awesome. And I wanted to be like that. That was kind of always my way of learning. And even when I was studying privately, um, he, uh, Charles Stefan, I don't know if you know who he is. I think he teaches at Ripon. Um, and he plays in a lot of several other orchestras and does a lot of freelance stuff too. But he was my private teacher in high school. And, and he played, like, he didn't always just tell me what to do with music. He would, he would just play it, demonstrate it. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. But that just worked for me. So I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah. Though, though, if I may, I'd like to follow up still with the, um, on a particular day that maybe the entire orchestra just is a little bit groggy or something. I'm always interested to see that, that charisma from the podium you know, so that that was I love that answer. It was it was a longer term, bigger picture answer. Do you also have some certain sort of how you I mean, I, I, there's a degree to which you're on the podium and you're showing your enthusiasm and that leading by example of, is, of course, important. But are there right. other things that you do just to get them fired up at on a, on a particular moment? Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's the hard, a hard thing for me to do too, because we're all human and uh, we all have our down days too. I, I always tell new teachers, one of the hardest things about teaching is, um, is putting on a different hat or a mask when, when emotionally that day, maybe you're not there, you know, um, but you have to, it's your job. Um and the success of your that particular class depends on that. Um, I try and be as enthusiastic, you know, sometimes at the point where I just get a little bit weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes 
just stepping out of the box and, and, you know, being over the top enthusiastic about the simplest thing, you know, like, um, you know, for, <laughs> for instance, like say the cellos, they have to hold this note for 10 measures, you know, oh my God, have you ever played the first symphony of Mahler at the beginning? You know, I, I use that as an example last year, actually. I mean, how many pages do they hold that note? For? Um, I can't remember, but. Anyways, uh, but I think too, like in an orchestral setting, one of the biggest things that's important to me that the students have is a comprehensive knowledge of what's happening in the music. Um, and, you know, sometimes even as a teacher, you get too focused on the technique of things, you know, are we in tune? Are we using our bow correctly? You know, all the mechanical stuff, but we can't forget about this part of it. Um, that that's just as important. You know, sometimes when you talk more about what's happening in the music or what are we what are we supposed to emote, um, the technique will follow with. And sometimes I have to remind myself that, too. Um, but, you know, one of the things I think we need to do at every level, even at the beginning, is, you know, when we're talking about an orchestral piece, always be thinking about the music as a whole, not just what your part is doing. What are the violas doing? What are the seconds doing? What are the first doing? What does it sound like together? Um, another thing I do too is at least with stuff they're doing well, if I'm using it as motivation, you know, I'll record them and, and then we'll play it back and listen and be like, listen to how that sounds together. Like, oh, I had no idea that was going on. I can only hear what the cellos are doing. Um, sometimes if it's not going well, I record it and play it back. And that has a different type of motivation because, ooh, that doesn't sound good. We need to fix that. Um, so I guess that's just a couple things. Um, but you know, you, you really always got to be constantly thinking out of the box every second and be ready for anything, but to keep the enthusiasm up in the class. I like that. You know, and what you said about, we all have our off days, but you got to get over that. I mean, there yes. is a definite large overlap between what we're trying to do as music performers and what actors are doing, where if your character is angry or giddy or whatever in a particular spot in delivering those lines, you have to be that every time, regardless of what kind of day you're having. You've got to be inside that character. And every bit is important in music. If it's a a humorous piece and you kind of play it in a you know grumpy way or something like that it's right not, it's not right at all no matter how well you have the bow and the mechanics set up yeah, yeah. that's good <laughs> well so it sounds like you've got as probably as always some big plans for this coming year as well is whether a trip is in the cards or what are some of the the concerts or visiting artists, what does 2022-23 hold in store? So there's a lot of things that are, are loosely planned right now, actually, which is weird because school starts soon. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so last year, my big thing last year, I'm going to talk about last year first. Last year, my big thing was, well, we can't travel. You know, we can't go to Ireland. And um, so let's do what we can do, which is why... Um, I really did burn myself out with, with some of the things we did, because whenever you bring in 
Like if you're doing a big multi-day workshop with an artist that you're flying in from somewhere, I mean, that's a lot of work. Um, and I did that with Mark Wood when I was in Janesville too. Um, but it's totally worth it. You know, so I, I really, I, I, I poured a lot into that experience. I poured a lot into the having Alistair Fraser, Natalie Haas come in, you know, and, and it was totally worth it. Very memorable for the kids. They all got different things out of it. Um, so I don't have any hard plans of bringing any soloists in this year, um, but that's something I still have time to put together. Uh, one thing I haven't done in a while is, well, because we haven't been able to, is um, uh, our chamber orchestra, our most advanced orchestra, um, traditionally will bring in um, some solo, a soloist once a year or maybe every other year. I had uh, Peter Thomas and Lynn Cabot play the Vivaldi double with us a, a number of years ago, and that was really cool. And then they did, um, I think, their, their own arrangement of Libertango. Nice. Um, yeah, super cool. And um, I did a couple things. I, I did um, a couple father-daughter uh, things, that, which is really cool in the past couple of years. We did, uh, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the composer right now, but uh, a viola concerto, double viola concerto. It was a father and his daughter um, in the orchestra. And then last year we did... Um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on composer names right now. It was a bass viola concerto, which wow. is weird. Um, that's what it was. And um, we we did we didn't do the whole thing, but uh, very cool experience with with two exceptional musicians. Nice. So I'll, I'm going to look to do something like that. Maybe bring in a soloist later this year. Um, I am looking at some travel opportunities on a smaller scale this year so trying to dip my foot back into that scene because you know as far as you know again keeping your kids in the program it, by the way when they're in high school let me tell you this it, it's I feel like it's harder to keep students even even your your best students you know in the program because there's such a push for AP there, there's so many AP offerings and not to, I'm not saying it's bad, but they really push it, you know, and, and it's enticing because, oh, well, if I do well on these AP tests, I could save money on college, you know, and you can't argue with that, but it's, it's becoming more challenging. You really, really got to keep your kids in the program, make sure that you're giving them reasons, other reasons stay in, you know, besides just their own intrinsic motivation. Um, so that's one reason why I want to try and do something domestic, um, either a festival and or a performance tour somewhere. Um, so I'm just kind of starting looking at those options. I was actually talking yesterday with a travel company. Um, so aside from those things, one of the, the really exciting things that I know is happening this year, as long as we can get the piece learned, <laughs> um, so with going back to my chamber orchestra, uh, this is one of my biggest joys of teaching here is having uh, having the opportunity to do some of the music that I've been able to do as students. So a couple of years ago, we did the, the outer movements of the Tchaikovsky Serenade, very challenging piece. Yeah. In the cello part too, that one was 
there's some wicked stuff in there. Um, and I, it was just, just so rewarding because most of my students don't study privately. I have a handful of students study privately, but we, we did this piece and we did it well. Um, it's, it's one of, as a teacher, one of the proudest things selfishly that I have, but those students will remember that uh, for the rest of their life. And we're, so we're, this year we're working on um, Shostakovich. It, it, it was originally string quartet number eight, but um, he arranged it for a string orchestra too. So I bought that piece like four or five, maybe six years ago now, five years ago. And it's been sitting on the shelf, just kind of fading. Like it's one of those pieces where it's like, I don't think I have the group yet. And I think last year we could have done it. And then, but I think this year's the year we're going to go after it. Uh, I had the opportunity to play that in college and, I'll talk all day about it because it was just, it was one of those really rewarding performances, you know, that I got to work on in school and, and the people I played it with were just great people. And we, we really did well with that piece. Um, so now I'm working on it with high school students and how exciting. So I actually gave them the music at the end of the year last year. And hopefully they've all been practicing it very hard over the summer. I know some have. And uh, next week, I'm actually, school starts on the first. And next week, I'm gathering as many of these students as I can who are able to. We're going to actually start chunking away at some of the really, really difficult spots and at least giving them the tools to, okay, this is how you need to practice these spots. Yeah. We're not going to perfect anything right now, but, you know trying to give them some tools to work with and then the goal is to perform it in its entirety in april okay. uh, and i'm the, the kids are jazzed about it. Yeah. it i know the seniors last year they looked at me with this look of disgust like i can't believe you're doing this without me because <laughs> <laughs> they graduated and i feel bad but that's the way it goes but they're really pumped um i'm just so excited for that and the opportunity to be able to work on a piece of that level with high school students. I never would have dreamed to be able to do stuff like that. So like, it's kind of selfish because it's never about me. It's always about them, but I will, I will be forever like prideful if, if we can pull it off, just like we did with that Tchaikovsky a few years ago. It's such great music. So I'm super pumped about that. Yeah. And you're right. Being able to play, a piece of really distinctive piece of great music and at a high level that you never forget things like that. Right. Well, awesome. Well, good luck with all of it. Um, hopefully it'll be a, a, just a real superb year for everybody. Wouldn't that be nice? Knock on some wood. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Seth. It's been really interesting and um, inspiring and enjoyable to hear what you up, you're up to and what you've been up to to get this far. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. All right. And good luck to everybody out there. Whatever is going to be on your music stand for this weekend, just... Uh, Keep your nose to the grindstone, and it's so rewarding when you do. And we'll see you this time next Friday. Take care.